Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is climate justice and faith. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so we're going to start off by saying... This is a 101. Yes. Neither of us are climatologists or climate scientists by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And while I have some knowledge of climate justice and eco-justice in regard to faith, there are so many pastors, especially in our area, where this is their heart's passion and this is their expertise. And so while we will talk some about this, I have some great names. Look up Robin Hartwig or Solvay Nielsen Gooden. I mean, these are some some incredible people who have been doing this eco-justice work with just phenomenal hearts and deep abiding roots in their spirituality and their climate justice work. So we will link to those names on our website page. We're doing kind of a 101. So if you are not someone who's done a lot with this, but you're thinking about it, but you don't understand how climate activism and faith come together, or do they, or you're kind of on that margin of being in the middle ground between progressive and conservative theologies, where there's more conflict in this kind of conversation, this is what the conversation will be about today. Yep. Yep. Now, partly we're getting into this because Central is still in its season of creation tide. Yep, we are. And especially just recently, there have been some major climate strikes that have been happening globally. Yes. And some incredible climate activism. The youth of our world, children of color and indigenous children. Many people know Greta Thunberg's name. These are incredible people who are calling out our politicians and our governments saying we have to act now. Climate activism, climate justice, climate work is the crisis facing our world right now. And it's facing all of us. And it's going to take the entire world banding together to find a solution. Yep. And it is. It's a very current conversation, although it's been happening for many, many, many years. Yes, it has. Sadly, Lots of the things that they're telling us to do are things I remember being told to do back in the late 70s and early 80s. Mm-hmm. Not much has changed on that front. Which is why youth are angry Yep, and frustrated and striking. Now, I'm going to start off with a bang, although you've kind of already explained it mm-hmm. just by naming names. Mm-hmm. Can you be a Christian and believe in climate change? Yes. Okay. And there is also a history with this. Okay. And that's one of the pieces that I found really interesting. I was walking with a friend who has her feet much more firmly rooted in more conservative traditions than than I do. And she talked about it being kind of in the 1980s when climate conversations were beginning, that there was a movement within conservative Christianity to really speak out against that okay. and to stand against that. And so there's a an understanding that to believe in climate change is something that doesn't mesh with the conservative right okay. Christian Christianity. And I don't know the deep roots of that. I know that it had roots in lots of various and sundry things that probably behind closed doors or mean a whole bunch of other things, but it's not rooted in scripture. 
Okay. It's not rooted in an understanding of how God calls us to be stewards of the earth. Okay. I'm asking these partly in light of our recent podcast on the creation stories themselves. Sure. And how that may or may not dovetail into this discussion. Yeah. So part of it is the concern, right, that if you believe in evolution that you Mm -hmm. can't be Christian, that that kind of argument comes in. Yep. Versus the ELCA, we believe evolution is a part of how we understand God's creation coming into being. We don't counter the science in our faith system and in our theological understandings. And so with that comes an ability to understand that climate change is occurring because of repercussions of our choices. Okay. And climate change is a real thing. It is actually happening. We can look at the data. We can look at the science. We can see that it is occurring. Yes. And at the same time, I'm still going back to science and faith have had a dicey relationship for a very long time. Fair and in our denomination, they don't have to. Exactly. They don't have to have a dicey relationship. It's very possible to understand and to quantify and to qualify. And oftentimes, I think it's fascinating, some of the most leading scientists who do the most esoteric work and the cutting edge kind of stuff, they're the ones that have the deepest faith. I completely agree. I have a brother-in-law who is an astrophysicist, and for him, it often brings him closer to an understanding of faith, knowing just how wonderfully complicated and amazing the world is. Once you get to those levels of understanding the complexity, how all of this came to be or how Of course, it took some higher being to do all this. I mean, that's kind of how I see many, many high-level scientists going. Mm -hmm. I could be completely wrong and just have like five in my head. But nonetheless, we oftentimes think that there's this dichotomy between scientists talking about evolution and things changing versus the scripture. If you take things literally, talking about the seven-day week and how creation happened in these seven days, if we can step away from that and look, which is a big statement to say, like just to step away from a base conversation that, right. It's a much more bold statement than we're giving it credit for. Right. I get that. And if we understand that in the ELCA, we don't believe in seven days of creation, we believe that God created everything and that God's creation is vast. God understands time differently than we do. And then lean into this idea of free will and humanity being given the gift of stewarding our earth and our decisions have repercussions and ramifications and come down the line several millennia and you have us where we are today, which is a tipping point of the capacity for our world to be able to sustain our creations. Sure. Okay. So going back to that more conservative potentially viewpoint, Mm -hmm. Do you believe that this current climate change that we're experiencing is the wrath of God Mm. or some sort of anger lashing back at our decisions? Yeah, I can see where that piece comes from. And I think for me, I don't believe that what we are facing is the wrath of God. I don't believe this is God's choice, partially because I don't believe in a God that likes to mete out punishment on God's children. Okay. I, I don't believe in that kind of a model of understanding God. Would you go so far as to say that the ELCA does not believe that either? Uh, I won't go there necessarily because I haven't done enough research to be able to, you know, I would need to double check and read and be able to cite a source on that. No, that's fair. But I will say for myself that I don't believe 
that that's the kind of God that we preach and teach in the ELCA. If you want me to prove it, give me time to research, sure. to give you citations. But what I do think is the case is that, again, I lean deeply into free will and this idea that our decisions have consequences and that God's creation of people was in order to have relationship. And in order to have relationship, a true relationship, one has to have a choice whether or not to choose it. And so I don't think that God is going to create things that are going to destroy the earth. I think God is going to give us the choice to create things ourselves that could destroy the earth. Okay. And that that's what's happened. But if God were to come down and just change it and fix it all and make it all better, would we be just puppets? And then are we truly in relationship with the divine? So that's where I fall back. So if people wonder how I can theologically justify saying these things, it's because I lean on that free will idea a lot. Okay. Which is also going to partially answer, I'm suspecting, my next question, which is, what about the thoughts and prayers? How come we can't pray the climate change away? Yeah, and again, it's because our actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, when all is said and done, do I think that God is in control and God can restore creation? And yeah, I do. Does that mean that we'll be a part of it? Well, I don't know that. I don't know that we will. If there's a catastrophic situation that occurs, I don't know that humanity will be a part of that. What I do believe is that God can redeem it. I think that God, in the end, can restore things and God can be present in it. I think there can be a lot of um, weeping and gnashing of teeth in between those things. As long as we continue to deny, won't take ownership of our choices, refuse to participate in being a part of the solution. As long as we choose greed over community welfare, if we continue to choose what matters just for me and mine over us and ours then I think we're going to face some really hard repercussions of that. Every time we choose selfishness over relationship, our world suffers. And so that's where we are now. And again, this is my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. But humanity has for so long chosen to believe that we are the ones who are the most important. Our comfort is what is most important. Our access to wealth is what is most important. The dominant cultures have believed that of ourselves. I'm not saying that about the indigenous cultures, sure. the colonizing cultures, the cultures that have stepped forward and, and wanted to be in control and wanted the power and wanted to own and those pieces. We're facing the consequences of that. And God wants a relationship with people for real. So if that's what we choose, that's what we choose. And we face the cost of that. Mm -hmm. And our children face the cost of that. We have other choices we can make. Okay. When you factor faith into this and mm -hmm. into our discussion, where does that leave you? Is it more our responsibility as people of faith to do something and to call it out and to make change? How is that important in this discussion? I think it's the same as any other justice issue in many ways that we confront or we are confronted by as people of faith. And right now, climate action is one of the many pieces that really needs our attention. I think as people of faith, we have a responsibility to step forward to make our world into God's kingdom, God's wholeness, God's hopefulness, just because that's what we're called to be doing in the world. Okay. Not to own the world, but to make the world 
a whole, healthy, beautiful, shalom society. So as you think back to some of the people that you've mentioned, what yeah. kind of things are these people doing? Taking actions, concrete actions, from helping their congregation put a solar trust on their roof so that they're moving their congregation to sustainable energy sources, to showing up at rallies and being present at strikes and supporting organizations that are doing the hard justice work, educating Churches can serve as places of education and places sure. of conversation and where we can learn about why this matters to us as people of faith and how our understanding of being given the stewardship of our planet can impact our daily lives and how we do things. And we understand that there are little things that we can do on the daily. Carry our own straw, or carry our own silverware to not use single-use plastics. Is that going to save the planet? No. But every time we pull out a straw that we carry with us or something like that, we're reminded of the fact that our world is a precious gift. And if that daily reminder gets us to consider investing in solar energy, if that daily reminder of carrying a metal straw reminds us to take our investments out of companies that profit off of harming our planet, that is when those personal daily actions of devotion can collectively affect a change. Sure. And so there's lots of mocking in some ways. Sometimes there's a real concern that fighting against single-use plastics, as we've done in Portland, right, next door yep. at, on October 1st at the Thai place can no longer just give out straws and plastic utensils when they give their takeout food. Yep. You have to ask for it now in the city of Portland. We're fighting against those things and we aren't necessarily moving towards renewable energy. We aren't necessarily divesting ourselves from companies profiteering off of harming our planet. So if we as people of faith can then take those small actions and turn them into faith practices and spiritual disciplines to remind us to the bigger stuff. Sure then people like Pastor Robin and Pastor Solvay and those who've been working with Eco-Justice, Eco-Faith program here in Portland, those leaders who have been doing this for so long can show us the way to corporately work together to affect real action and real change. So that would be my kind of encouragement sure. for where someone could start to step into this. And how to begin to figure out what makes the real change. The leaders in our community are telling us things like begin investing in renewable energies, find ways to help your neighborhood create solar trusts and other renewable options, get your money out of companies that damage our planet. Mm -hmm. Because if they're still making money, they have no reason to change their current policies. Well, and I was listening to a fascinating podcast on NPR, and it was about recycling. And mm -hmm. what fascinated me is where the onus is for recycling things, and why is it on us as the consumer instead of the people who actually create the products that we use? Mm. And what a difference it was 100 years ago. Yeah when people didn't even know what a garbage can was because you had the milkman come by and exchange your bottles empty for full. Right. And it's fascinating to me how, how and what it would take 
to get companies to go back to that kind of mentality. And some of it is absolutely on us as consumers. Yeah. But some of it is also us getting laws changed on the books for how things are done. Yeah. And all I can see is the 30-year uphill battle that it's been since I was told, just put on a sweater if you're cold at home (laughs) instead of turning up the thermostat. And just try to contact people to get rid of all of the junk mail, right? Yeah. It's a hard balance to go from what little changes am I making? Are they actually making a difference? Right. That leap of faith is large. And it's hard work. I mean, it's hard and exhausting work. I I have several folks within my personal network who work for eco-justice kind of organizations. And it is hard and thankless work sometimes and scary to do the work in a way where you really dig into and recognize what we are potentially facing. And so what I will say for those who are kind of dipping their toes into this conversation and trying to find ways for whom hearing divest from companies making money off of destroying our earth is a radical thought instead of just being like a baseline acceptance. For those of us in that kind of a situation, my encouragement is our faith calls us to be stewards of the earth. God created everything and said, take care of it. I'm giving you choices. You get to make decisions over what is going to work and what is not going to work and take care of it, that it can give life, that it can be a place of great creation and joy and beauty and wonder and take care of it for that. When we are more concerned with our physical comfort than for the wellness of the whole planet, we lose sight of that charge that God gave us. Dwell in that concept for a while and just sit with that until it can resonate and then start with small stuff. I mean, each step is better than nothing. Absolutely. Right? So if you start with buying some reusable straws, then start with buying some reusable straws if you don't have to have the plastic ones. There are people for whom they need the plastic for safety. Mm -hmm. They have seizures, right? Like, let's not necessarily ban the use that has created accessibility for other people. But if you have the privilege and the capacity to be able to do those things, do those things. Don't stop there. Let them be items of reminders. Let it remind you to cut back on your driving. Let it remind you to do those pieces. Again, all of this is... As you have the privilege, make the changes in your life. If you have the privilege to have finances to divest, sure, divest them. If you have the privilege to be able to physically bike instead of using petroleum to power a car, then use the bike. If you have the physical capacity to drink from a metal straw, drink from a metal straw. Find where your privilege gives you the responsibility to take care and be the steward of our planet and take action in it. One simple piece at a pride festival three, four years ago, my power company was signing people up to have invested in renewable energies. It costs maybe a couple extra dollars a month. Yeah, maybe. In my privilege, I have the capacity to be able to do that. Yep. Right. So find out how to do that. Find out what you need to do and take those actions that can lead you down a pathway to even greater action. So there's the 101 of it all. Give it a try. Start small. 
take your steps. And if you are far beyond this, if what I'm suggesting is so far back from where Where you you are are. on your journey, if you have suggestions on things that people can do that are more effective than what I've been giving, put it out on our Facebook page. Please do. Send us an email that we can pass the information along or give us a link that we can put on our website, centralportland.org, on our podcast page about this. And we will continue to help people learn more about this. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about climate justice and faith. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening. Please go and read up and discover people who are much more eloquent on these topics than I am. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.